The following is a podcast of 19 North, a young adults ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, visit lifeatvictory.com slash young adults. I'm not alone right now. I'm really glad that you guys are here because there's this man named Jesus that we want you to meet. You know, he redeems your sin. Okay, okay, all right, whatever. So, um, <laughs> good preacher joke, right? Yeah, awesome. Uh, so, I, I may like this a little too much, seeing people fall over. Like, it's one of my favorite things in the world, as a matter of fact. Like, somebody fell off a chair a couple weeks ago here, and I could not help it but to laugh really, really loud and then check if they were okay. Anybody ever mix, mix that up? Where it's like, I'm laughing first and then checking to see if everybody's okay. It, it can actually provide one of the most awkward situations for us, you know, as, as, as just in, in life when you laugh and you probably shouldn't laugh. And one way that I, I found out that I really liked seeing people fall is, you know, well, seeing people fall, okay? So when I was, my, my dad was teaching me how to cut the grass when I was about 10 years old. And, and my dad is one of the most patient, gentle, kind human beings that you'll ever meet ever, okay? You get the pleasure to meet my dad. You'll be like, that is a nice guy. He is a nice guy. Well, I had my spikes on and he had his dad shoes on and he was teaching me how to cut the grass. And you know what I'm talking about with dad shoes, right? You're like, hey, you go on vacation. I love this. You, know, you go on vacation, you know, Alexis was, <laughs> Alexis gave me the comment. She's our girl drummer, by the way. Isn't a girl drummer? That's sweet, dude. We got a girl drummer. She's killer. But yeah, people like you, Alexis. But Alexis gave me a compliment. She's like, you look like a dad ready to go out to eat on vacation right now. And I'm like, that is not cool at all, right? Because the moment that I heard that, I'm thinking, I've, dad, like, I've got dad shoes on. No, you know? Because dads wear these white tennis shoes. They're all white and they're huge, right? And then they pull their socks up and they're like, hey, you want to go to dinner? Yeah, we can, you know, I was like, oh, whatever. So dad shoes. My dad's wearing his dad shoes every day. Every, everybody knows what I'm talking about with dad shoes. You're like, what are you doing? As a matter of fact, the other day, Lauren, she, her, her, her dad was coming to my sister's wedding. And he's like, you think this outfit's all right? And she's like, yeah, that's perfect for the wedding. He's like, with what shoes? My white ones. And Lauren was like, not at all, dad, not at all. And he's like, why? What's wrong with them? They're dad shoes. So my dad is wearing his dad shoes outside. You know what I'm talking about. I'm wearing my spikes. Another sidebar. Remember when you were a kid and you wanted to wear your spikes everywhere? You thought it was like, mom, why won't you let me wear them to first grade? Why, why? I don't get it. It's like, because you'll slip all over the place and wear them down. But like, there's always that one kid in elementary school who got to wear their spikes everywhere. And I was always so jealous of that kid, you know? I actually had a music teacher. He used to push his piano around. He'd wear his softball spikes. I'm like, why is he wearing spikes? I don't know, but I want to wear spikes right now. Can't wear spikes indoors. Maybe it's only me. I don't know, you know? But I'm, I'm in my spikes. My dad is, you know, is, is in his dad's shoes. And my dad is just real nice. He called me son. I don't, I don't know if he knows my first name, but that's what my dad calls me, you know, son. You know what I'm talking about? Your dad calls you son. Anyways, he's like, you're going to want to slow down, son. And yeah, I'm a little bit bullheaded by nature. Anybody else? Maybe a couple people. Good, good, good. You're not alone, okay? I'm a little bit bullheaded. So what, do, what does every bullheaded 10-year-old do whenever dad tells him to slow down? I speed up a little bit, you know? Like, whatever, I'm going to speed up. And my dad said, son, <laughs> right? Son. I said, slow down. I'm like, okay. So then I sped up again, and he went to grab me, and I ran like this, you know? And when he went to grab me, and I started to run, the only thing I saw was his dad's shoes fly up in the air. You know, they're, they're like straight over top of his head, and he's down on the ground. You know what I did? Every, every, I did what every good 10-year-old son would do. I helped. No, I did not. I went over, and I, I just went, <gasps> I started laughing at my dad, right? Which wasn't the best response. Now, my dad went from the nicest human being to 
I'm going to kill you look. You ever get that look from your parents where you're like, okay, I'm dead. I need to run. So my dad went to grab me again, fell over a second time, right? And I laughed a second time. Bad idea. My dad starts chasing me. And what I do, right? I run through with my, with my, with my cleats on. I ran through the house which in our family, you do not wear shoes inside, okay? So when we have people over there, some people, you could tell, they wear shoes everywhere. They're like, hey, what's up? And, you know, I didn't grow up in a family. Anyways, I ran through the house. My mom would have killed me wearing spikes in the house. Ran through the house, ran straight into her bedroom, locked the door, called her on her phone at work. And I'm like, mom, dad's gonna kill me. He's gonna murder me. He fell over. I laughed at him. I'm dead. He's coming right now. Boom, boom, boom. He's at the door. She's like, it's gonna be okay. And I, I just hung up the phone on her. What would you do, right? If you're at work and you get that call, like, what is going on, you know? My mom didn't do anything. She just, if that was me, I'm like, I gotta go. (laughs) Something's going on at home, drive home. Nothing, you know, get nothing from my mom, right? (laughs) Sad story. Anyways, (laughs) my dad was okay. He was banging at the door. I'm like, I am not opening it up right now. I am not coming out, you know? And uh, that day I learned an important lesson. There are times in life that you shouldn't laugh at people when they fall, right? And here's what I learned, okay? If you want to laugh at people when they fall, you got to have two quick boundaries. Number one, make sure, look around, okay? If you have 10 people around and everybody's laughing, it's okay. Maybe you can laugh a little bit, right? The second thing is make sure there's no permanent damage done, you know? Because you go, ha, ha, and they're like, that's a heart attack, Fred. That is not a good day, right? Come on, man, jeez. Make sure there's no permanent damage and then laugh later. One of my favorite stories, Lauren fell into a bush. What did I do? I checked her out a little bit and I laughed about it. That's the best time. So I'm gonna show you one of my favorite fails, okay? This, this is a, there's a point to this, don't worry. But one of my favorite fails and falls, and it is okay because this guy, he's, he turned out okay. Everything was okay. So you guys can cue the ladder fail. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Gotcha. Yeah, baby. The Christian life is not a playground. Yep, that's it. Anyhow, you let me know when you guys are ready. I appreciate you guys, okay? Right here on, on the two sides. There it is. The two little buttons. And all you do is push them in, and that will release it. And what? Right here. Push the button in, that releases it. And then after you let go, it locks. Firmly in place. So, really, you're all set. And this is tough. It is. Listen, give you an example. Say you have a, you know, you have to get up on the wall, high ceiling, vault, right. ceiling. Hey, listen, just walk right up. And I tell you, it's very safe, it's durable, and Carol, it's lightweight. Carrying me. So really, <laughs> see, now it's locked in place, okay? So really, you say, oh God, Harold, are you okay? Actually, I didn't have it locked. You have to lock it. Once you lock it, you're okay. <laughs> you can look it up on YouTube, but like, he, he, this guy just fades out real fast. He said, actually, it's, it's a very safe piece of equipment. <laughs> he just fails out. I feel so bad for that guy, but everybody's been that guy. Now, when I was a kid, I remember coming to church and, and I remember um, what I, I, I had what I developed, what I like to call a ladder theology, where here's what happens when we have a ladder theology. We, we have a ladder theology. It's, I'm going to climb up three steps but I'm going to fall. That's what happens when we have a ladder theology. And I remember, uh, I remember growing up and, and going to church and loving and feeling as if God liked me and, and felt like God wanted to reach out to me. 
But I remember the day when I realized that I had a ladder theology. And tonight, I just want to talk really quickly about having a ladder theology. It's it's really simple to tell. It's really easy to tell when people have a ladder theology. Uh, A lot of times when people have a ladder theology, they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, things like, man, I I don't even know why I'm here right now. I mean, if I came through the doors, I mean, I I thought the church was going to implode. You know, I thought like the walls were going to cave in because they felt like they've done and God is going to. Now, the, the, the stupidity of that statement, just listen, it's like, it's like, the earth is God's footstool, right? But the church is his jurisdiction. Like, like really? You know, he's going to get you when he... No, that's, that's not the God that we serve, right? And I hear these things all the time. I get a ladder theology whenever I'm out in public and I'm, I'm talking with people and we get along really well and, and they say, so what do you do for a living? And I'm like, oh man, here we go again, you know? Like, I'm a pastor. And they're like, you just see the look on their face. It's just like the air got sucked out of the room. They don't have anything to, to say. And, and the reason it's, it's so uncomfortable a lot of times is because they have a ladder theology. And a ladder theology is something that I had. I really believe that my value and worth with God was based off of the steps that I took. And what's so amazing about living for God is that it's the exact opposite. Now, I want, I'm going to say something that I want everybody to remember tonight. Our ladder theology tells us that we've got to climb this ladder in order to attain God. The difference between Christianity and every other religion known to man Now, it's really interesting. Every other religion in a man falls under two different categories. And even, God bless you, (laughs) even Christianity, when it's perverted, will fall under these two categories. There's either legalism, which I've got to climb up and we're going to talk about it in order to attain God, or fatalism, meaning I become nothing and then hope then I become something. There's legalism and there's fatalism, those two, those two things. Now, ladder theology falls under legalism. And I'm going to give, give you just a quick example of what ladder theology is. It essentially says, well, I'm coming to 19 North tonight. I'm stepping foot in a church, and so I get like three steps up on the rung, and I'm closer to God, absolutely closer to God because I came to church. But then you realize on the way here somebody cut you off, and you take two steps back because you dropped the F-bomb, or at least you thought about it in your head, right? Or, you know, I, oh, I prayed two steps up. I prayed then I told somebody off because I hate waiting in lines and I, I, I lost my temper. Or I gave. I gave. Man, you know, I gave 10 bucks in the offering or, you know, I, I, I saved up my money and I bought somebody a jacket for, for, for the winter and, and, and they didn't have one. And man, I feel really good about myself and I'm feeling closer to God. But then you, then, then you realize that there was a point in your life or a time in your life where you stole something and it's like, well, Maybe that evens it out a little bit because I took something. That's what I like to call a ladder theology, right? Where we climb up and we think, oh, if I climb up, if I do everything right, then God is going to accept me. But there is no such support for that in the Bible. What's so interesting, though, is so many churches teach that. But as you look through the scriptures, it's not supported. This is amazing because uh, there are two passages of scripture that we're going to go to tonight to talk about a ladder theology. One of the most beautiful ones is in the book of Romans chapter 3. Book of Romans chapter 3. So if you have Bibles, you can get there. But look at this. this, Romans 3 says this, For all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. All have sinned, all fall short. This is talking about a ladder theology. It's like I want to climb and I want to attain. I want to be able to, to relate with God, but I keep on finding myself falling short. Every one of us has done this in our lives. 
And I remember the, I remember the day when, when I realized I was at a, on a ladder theology where I would go to church and I remember playing in the, in the, church, in the church band. And, and when I played in the church band, I felt like I was climbing up two ways. But man, people didn't know what I really did behind closed doors. And the day that I realized that, man, something, something needs to change was the day that I went home and everything was spinning on the bed. And I'm like, I'm, I'm the life of the party, having a great time, telling everybody this is great. But I'm on my bed and it's spinning and this just stinks. It's like, man, I got off the ladder and I said, I'm a mess. I looked at myself, man, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. A couple you know, months later, God really revealed himself to me and showed me, hey, it's not about what you try to climb up and, and how, it's not about your perfection, it's about my perfection. So the scripture says, for all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. I really love the next verse, the next verse in, in, in all of this. It says, yet now God in his gracious, God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He's done this through Christ Jesus who's freed us by taking away our sins. See, what the scripture is telling me that what I do is never good enough, but what God did is enough. What God did is enough. And, and this is what he said. God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. Let me tell you something. I want you to remember this for the rest of your life. You may have done everything that you, they said you've done, but you are not who they say you are. When God, he does not look at you. We're going to open up a couple different scriptures. We're going to go into a couple different places. But when God thinks about you, he doesn't think about the mess that you're in. He doesn't think about the mistakes that you've made. He thinks about the things that you can become. He thinks about dreams in your heart. The Bible actually says, if I were to number the thoughts that God has about, has about me, they'd be more than the grains of sand on the earth. Think about this. Many of us think tonight, that when God thinks about me, he thinks about judgment and stupidity and the mess that I'm in. But when God sees you, he thinks more things about you, dreams more dreams about you than you could even fathom. Think about all the sand that's on Lake Erie. Think about all the sand that's, that's in Myrtle Beach. Mix them together. Then go to the Sahara Desert. Take all of that sand, put it all together. God's thoughts about you are more than the sands in the earth. And those thoughts are not judgmental or harsh or critical towards you. We serve a God who loves us, who loves us. Let's keep on reading here. In verse 25, it says, For God sent Jesus, God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. What the scripture is telling me, that God was angry, but God sent Jesus to climb down that ladder. Man, that's the ladder theology that we need. God sent Jesus to climb down that ladder to, be the, to, to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's wrath and anger against us. If you look up in 1 John and read the book of 1 John, the book of 1 John talks about Jesus being the propitiation for our sins. When I look up that word, I'm like, what in the world is propitiation? You know, we don't use that word in, in English. What the word is, is, is the divine appeasal of God's wrath. You and I, because we sin, because we all fall in short, and everybody knows that there's a distance between us and God. Every single person knows that, that we're born with that distance. We felt that distance. At, at, at some point, whenever we mess up, we feel that distance, and we feel so separated from God. The first inclination that we all feel is, God is angry with me. He can't. But these scriptures are actually saying the exact opposite. God's not angry with you. God's not looking at you like that. 
And I think we need to challenge our latter theology because this thinking actually empowers us to do better. It's really interesting. Like my kids are, I love my children, uh, but it's really interesting to try to get them to listen. And when I tell them not to do something, do you know what they do? They do it. Like Nora, do not, do not spit on this flower. My daughter, she's like, spit on this flower. You know what I mean? My son, don't kick your sister. What does he do? Turn my back, kicks his sister, you know? See, it is not God telling us what to do and telling us what not to do that empowers us to do better with our lives. We already know that in our heart. It's understanding that God, the Bible says, awake to righteousness and sin not. You know what that means? When we awaken to what, how much God loves us, when we awaken to who we are in Christ, it will empower us to live better lives and to stay clear of the things. See, we'll find that when we develop a ladder theology, our value is only based on, on how high we can climb that ladder and how close we can attain God. Our value is solely based on that. So a lot of times what happens is we go three rungs down, we go five rungs down, and we feel like, God can't accept me now. And eventually we get so far away from the ladder, it's like, I, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. And that is exactly where the enemy wants us. He wants us away, he wants us with guilt. Guilt and shame, they're horrible. You know, Jesus dealt with guilt and shame at the cross. The Bible says, uh, the, the Bible says that he bore all of our shame. Difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is bad deed. I did something wrong and shame is bad person. At the beginning of time in, in, in the book of Genesis, you can, you can read this. And by the way, if this is your first time here and you're, you're new to the things of God, you want to start reading the Bible. Don't start in the book of Genesis, okay? Don't read all the way through the Old Testament. Just, just trust me on this one, okay? I study the Bible for a living. So the book of John is the book that everybody should start with, okay? It's a free one for you, Okay? But in the book of Genesis, the Bible talks about Adam and Eve being created and they had perfect union with God. They had a perfect relationship with God. And when they were, they were before, before everything, they, they, they had a relationship with God where they were talking with God. They'd walk with God in the garden in the cool of the day, the Bible talks about. And then this one thing called sin crept in and separated from them from God. When God came to search for them, he's, he's walking through the garden. He said, where are you? Where are you, Adam and Eve, where are you? See, religion, what it'll tell you is, God was angry and he's saying, where are you? Where are you? But really what happened is God is saying, where are you? Where is everything I created you to be? Where are you? Where are you? And he sent Jesus reading about. I love the book of 2 Corinthians and especially chapter 5. It's one of my favorite. And, and this scripture tells us so much so much just drives this point home. Let's just read this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a new creation. I remember, just pause here. I remember the day that I realized I was brand new. I remember that day so vividly. I was out actually at a local restaurant. My wife and I love to go out to eat. You know, it's like, who doesn't love to go out to eat? You know, it's so much fun. But anyways, we go out to eat. And, you know, I don't have to do dishes. You know, somebody like just order French fries, put bacon and cheese and whatever on it. Like, get to go out to eat, you know? So we're out to eat. We're having a really good time. And there was a waitress that I knew whenever I was in high school. And uh, we were actually friends in high school. This waitress came up to me. She's like, hey, how you doing? How's everything going? I'm like, oh, it's going great. And, and she said, what are you doing with your life now? And, and I was like, well, I'm working at a church. And, and I just try to keep it vague. And she's like, what are you doing, community service? I was like, no, no, like I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor now. And you, did you ever, I had this little dog <laughs> when, I, when I was growing up. And we would say, you want to go outside? And she'd turn her head like, 
eh, like, I want to, I, I don't know, I can't compute, you know what I mean? The head turn. She, this girl turned her head like a, like a confused dog, like, huh? <laughs> like that. I remember that look, and she turned her head, and then she looked at me, and she said, you're the last person on the planet who should be in a church, let alone work at a church. And she left, and I got a new waitress. Kind of a big deal. At that moment, I realized, I'm brand new. <laughs> I'm completely different. If I meet you right now, like, you would never even know that. Why? Because God's worked in my life. It says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old's gone. The new's come. All this is from God, who's reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That word reconcile means to be made friendly again with. Think about this. The reason Jesus climbed down that ladder wasn't just to connect you with God. It was so that you could become friends with God. God wants to connect with you. God wants to be your friend. Not one of those friends who like, you know, Sean's just like, I can't believe you're wearing that again. You know what I mean? Like you think about God doing that. It's like, didn't you wear that like two weeks ago? No. God is that friend who will never leave you. He'll never turn his back on you. Man, that's unbelievable. That's what that word means. So we know that God sent Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins, the divine appeasal of God's wrath. We know that God sent Jesus so that we could be reconciled to God, so we could be made friends with God again. Because we need to start seeing ourselves like that. The reason Jesus came was to do what we couldn't do. He climbed that ladder down because we couldn't make the climb up. And one more thing about this, because this imagery really helped me in understanding what propitiation means. My son, uh, our oldest, he's five years old now, and when he was a baby, I mean, he really loved the binky, you know? He really loved his binky. He'd be screaming, he'd be screaming, he'd be screaming, like, Wah! and we just put that binky in, and it was like, I'm okay, you know? All is good in the world, it's okay. This sounds pretty crazy, but it'll stick. God is like that, Jesus is that binky, you know? God's anger, God's wrath is crying out against you. Punish, punish, punish. You deserve it, you deserve it, you deserve it. But then he sent Jesus and he's just, I'm okay now. When God sees you, he doesn't see your past. He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. Let's continue reading in the scripture. So good. In verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And let's keep on going. It says, all this is from God. And even further down, I apologize. In verse 21, it says, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Here's what the word righteousness means. It means the right standing with God. But I I actually looked this up to make sure that I had this right. The word righteous means integrity, virtue, purity of life, uprightness, correctness in thinking, feeling, and acting. God sent Jesus, who had no sin, to come down that ladder to be sin for us so that in, in Christ, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. We might become the righteousness of God. So put it this way. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that in him you could become as you ought to be. God made him to be sin for us so that in him you could be in a condition that is acceptable to God. Put quite simply, listen, there's no ladder that we can climb to be in a condition acceptable to God, to be the people we were made to be. Let me tell you something, the ladder is real. The climb is real. It's a real thing. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus died at the altar of a cross to bear your sin and to bear my sin. 
so that we could be made right with God, we could be reconciled to God, we could be friends with God. He didn't just come to take your sins away. He came to restore a relationship that was broken. He came to restore that relationship. And I think about, you know, what that means in all of our lives. Quite honestly, I think about what, what would happen if we all adopted Jesus coming down rather than us having to work up. What are some of those things that would happen if we just got off the ladder? What would happen? One thing that just is burden in my heart that, that I know because I know this from personal experience, when I try to climb that ladder and when I mess up, I try to earn my right back with God. It's like I'm going to take another step up. But oftentimes I find myself further from God. What would happen if we threw away that ladder theology? When we messed up, we would actually draw closer to God because we'd be honest. We'd be open with God and say, God, I can't climb that ladder. I, I'm not going to be good enough on my own effort and my own merit. I can't earn my way back with you. I need you. I need you. The Bible actually says that when we confess our sin to God, he's faithful and he's just to cleanse us from our sin, to forgive our sin, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, this is God we serve. No matter where you've gone, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've been, God can make everything brand new tonight. He can restore that relationship because of what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. What would happen if we got off of the, 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 the latter theology? Number one, we'd, we'd draw closer to God rather than running away from him. When we see our imperfections, we'd have confidence instead of insecurity. Like, man, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. But I know who is. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, in my weakness, then I'm strong. Why? Because he understood this. In my weakness, God, you're going to use me. The Bible actually says in the book of 1 Corinthians that God chose the fools of this world, chose the fools of this world to profound the wisdom of men. What the word fool means is blockhead. If you look at, I mean, that's a, the closest word that we can find in our vernacular. God chose blockheads, you know? You ever feel like not smart enough or not good enough? Have you ever gone to a church where you're like, man, I, I don't understand anything this guy's saying because his intellectual level is up here or her intellectual level is, is up here and I feel like mine's way down here. It's okay, God chose you. What's really funny about the apostle Peter is people actually looked at him and they saw that he was uneducated. <laughs> I mean, think about it, you know? But he have his mouth wide open and his eye head cocked or something, you know? But they looked at Peter and they said, he doesn't look very smart. But we can tell that he's been with Jesus. If you ever feel like you're not good enough, you're in good company. It's everybody. What would happen if we threw away that latter theology? And I think that, I think you'd be a whole lot happier. I really do. And this striving that we all have in life, we gotta let go. You know, I just know that in this place there are so many mistakes that could be going through your mind right now. And there's so many excuses because I hear them all the time. I, I don't, I don't know if this message is really for me because, see, you don't, you don't really understand. You don't really understand what I've done and where I've been. See, because when I was, you know, 15 years old, I 
lost my virginity and I just went off the deep end. And, and I just don't think that God can restore me. Yes, he can. See, in this place are, are, are people who've messed up sexually and you don't think, you don't think that you're in a place of being restored. You think that you're damaged goods and you're, con- you're convinced that someday you've got to talk about your past to a pure husband or a pure wife who's waited their whole life to you and you're nervous about it. Listen, God makes all things new. God makes all things new. You look at the mistakes that you've made and you put your value in those things and you say, this is all I'm worth. And so what ends up happening is you continue to live out those things. If we jumped off the ladder, that goes away. We'd be a whole lot happier. We'd be a whole lot more fulfilled. Nancy North, I simply want to pray as we close. Can everybody just close your eyes with me? If you're here tonight, man, I just, I just want to encourage you. It's not by accident that you're here. It is not accidental that you're here. There's people on different levels all over the place. Some people, you need to take your step out and just say, you know what, I've been living like crazy and I just need, I need God tonight. There are some people in here who just, just like, you don't know. You felt this passion in your life. You're like, man, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if God can accept me. And God loves you. Tonight, we're gonna keep this so simple. I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. And man, I want you to know that no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you could be made right with God or you could be made right with God again. You can get back to that place of purity in your heart only through Jesus. With heads bowed, with eyes closed, nobody looking around, listen. I wanna pray tonight for people who need to take their first step with God. If you're here tonight and you'd say, Zach, please pray for me because tonight I don't know that I have Man, I don't know where I am in my, in my walk with God. I don't know if I have a relationship with God. You do not have to leave this place not knowing. With heads bowed, with eyes closed, with nobody looking around. Listen, if this is you and you'd say, Zach, I don't know where I am in, in my walk with God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that God sent Jesus, right? He sent Jesus. And we believe in him and confess him Lord of our life. We'll be saved. We believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess him Lord of our life. We'll be saved. That's the only step that you need to take. The latter theology is gone. See, Zach, that's me. In just a moment, man, there's, there's gonna be some people who raise their hand with you. You're not gonna be alone. But if you'd say, Zach, would you please pray for me? Because tonight's a night, I, I came here and, and God's revealing himself to me. Tonight's a night, I, I wanna start my walk with God. Listen, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one is looking around. If that's you, and you say, Zach, would you please pray for me? Because tonight is a night I wanna dedicate my life to God. Nobody's watching. I'm gonna count to three and here's what I want you to do. I just want you to raise your hand when I get to three. Listen, this is not hocus pocus. This is not do this and then God will accept you. It's not the climb of the ladder. This is his only stipulation. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then confess him Lord of your life. I wanna do that publicly with people tonight. I'm not gonna ask you to come down to the front. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up. We're not gonna embarrass you or single you out. Just right where you're seated, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's looking around. We're all just gonna pray out loud right where where you are. Nobody's gonna know it's you. If that's you and you'd say, Zach, would you please pray for me because tonight is my night. I I wanna start my walk with God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. I'm counting to three. This is your moment. You be bold. You be bold and raise your hand up when I get to three. Ready? One, two, three. Go ahead. If that's you, just raise your hand up high where I can see it.
Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's so great. Got a couple of people raising their hands tonight. Great. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Well, let's pray out loud with the handful of people who raised their hand tonight. Everybody just repeat after me. Say, Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross to take my sin, to take my punishment. And God, you're not angry at me anymore. I'm a friend of God. I'm a child of God. And my life will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give those guys a hand. Come on.